Yeah, welcome to all of you. If you haven't met me, my name is James. I'm one of the deacons here. And it's a, it's a, a privilege. It feels like I stand here in like the fear of the Lord after just being in His presence. Like, don't ever look at someone standing in the front in a modern-day church thinking that's just, that's the, the MOG, that's the man of God. Like, you're a man of God, you're a woman of God, I'm, I'm the same. We're sons of God by faith. So I'm standing here preaching to you, and weirdly, I'm preaching to myself. So, yeah, I just want to say that as I start off. And my message tonight is we, we've been doing a series called This Is Church for the last maybe two, three weeks. We've got many weeks left of it. So this week, Wednesday, was Women's Day. Happy belated Women's Day to all the women here. We love you and we cherish you and you are amazing. And um, so this Sunday, we're just having a break from that series. So I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to preach on, Lord? I don't want to just drop something that just seems random. And I felt him wanting me to preach tonight on a message I've been feeling a weight for a while. And it is, I'm calling it religious or Christian. And what I want to speak about tonight is how the only way into the kingdom of God is through being born again. And what does it mean to be born again? I think it's overlooked. It's a, does everyone know that word, that phrase, born again? It's funny if you go to some countries, I think America is especially like that. You can go to someone and say, are you a Christian? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you say, are you born again? They're like, no, 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 no. I'm not one of those. So people have a weird idea that like, Maybe there's different levels of, like, Christian. But let me ask you tonight, put your hand up if you are convinced tonight that you are a Christian. Let me see. Keep them up. Some of them, the elbows are a bit low, sitting low. Get it? <laughs> Maybe if the arm's lame or something, you keep it there. Okay, how many of you are absolutely convinced you're born again? The hand can't go higher the second time, can it? Okay, you can put them down. If I had to put you in some sort of spiritual universe court of law, all the universe has got you there. And I had to say, there are, there are charges against you. People have laid charges that you're not what you say you are. You're not born again. What evidence would you point to? <laughs> what? What would you do? Would you quote Jeremiah 29, 11 or something? Or would you... <laughs> then they'd be like, okay, okay, we know, we know. But it's interesting. What would you point to? Would you point people to the quiet times you had that week? What would you think of? What is conclusive evidence... The word born again means born from above. This is the opposite of a natural birth. It means God has literally from above made you a new creation. But a lot of us think by just sitting in a church building, by reading a Bible, by just blending with the other sheepies here, just blending with the Christians, do what they do, that that somehow makes you Christian. And it's not. And Jesus' message of you must be born again I think it's overlooked, and you know the main reason I think it's overlooked, and why it's not appreciated, I wonder what you would guess, is we don't have a proper understanding of sin. 
we think that men and women come to God and that all they need is basically rehab. They need spiritual reformation. So let's give them principles. Let's give them beautiful scriptures. Let's tell them not to steal, not to murder, not to cheat, to study hard. All these good, godly principles. And then, just to make sure, we say, just pray a prayer and put your hand up at the end of the prayer. And then we say, you're a Christian. And I think in many ways, that, that phenomena of this thing called the sinner's prayer is something we use. But I have met many people. We were actually in, in Joburg about two weeks ago, and we were witnessing, sharing the gospel with a guy there. Kind of a cool, black African Joburg guy, lots of money, chatting to us there. And we said to him, we chatted to him about his faith, and we're like, are you a Christian? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. And uh, then we start chatting a bit more. He's also into witchcraft, shamanism, which is also witchcrafty. He's into New Age stuff. He's basically a Hindu also. But he's also somehow a Christian. I don't know how that works. And you know why? He says, no, many years ago I went to a church. I put my hand up at the end. And I prayed the prayer. And Andrea looked at him and she said, Brother, are you kidding yourself? <laughs> and he was like, uh, What? Uh, oh, okay, I guess so. Now his case folded very quick. He just went, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm not. Because you can also speak about God. That's vague. Speak about Jesus. Demons hate the name of Jesus. And they're fine with God. That's vague enough. You start speaking about who do you say Jesus is, then you're going to see what does someone actually believe. So I think this message of being born again is, it's overlooked. I mean, in my life, I don't feel like I've heard many preachers on it. I think maybe it's just assumed. We just assume everyone knows what it is. But I'd, I want to shed some light on it tonight. Okay. So let me jump straight in. I, I don't want to feel nervous that the power is going off at eight. Just double-check if that is happening. I think it is. So, you can put your cell phones on or something when it gets to 8. Or we just do the darkness thing again. <laughs> so, open your Bibles in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible there are many of them in the pews um, in front of you. There's a few just NIVs. What? Hmm? Oh, yeah, load shedding at eight. Confirmed. It's fine. I will be peaceful. <laughs> so John chapter 3. This is probably the best passage to use when speaking about this thing of the new birth, of being born again. Another, another phrase used for it is regeneration. And I think, does anyone here do science degree? Like biology, physics, <laughs> something like that. Not physics, maybe that's different. But regeneration is not just a Christian term, hey. Yakumi. Regeneration, I think, just speaks about something new life. So a plant, I think, can regenerate. Am I right? Are you the science person? I need a... <laughs> So regeneration is new life in something. Um, 
And that's ultimately what happens. When you become a Christian, God doesn't just add something onto you. The, the Scripture doesn't say if anyone is in Christ, they have a new creature. It doesn't say that. They say you are a new creation. And you need to understand that, and we need to know. So I'm going to be speaking tonight to those in the room who are, who are Christians, which is most of you, put your hands up. But there's many of you here who might still be self-deceived. You might just be religious. And I'm hoping by the end of tonight that you're actually going to realize, wow, that for me to be born of God has to come from God. It doesn't just come from, like, you sign up for a new society at the university. So I'm going to sign up for the Christian Josh Jen Society. That's not being born again. To be born again is something that God does, not man does. And you're dependent on him for it. So let's read the scripture here. John chapter 3. So it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this conversation is already awkward. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus answered, truly, another truly, 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 I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And we'll stop there for now, because it's a big section. So look at the main thing. Like I said, the conversation, if you notice it, does almost go, I don't think according to Nicodemus' plan. So first of all, he's coming by night, which I don't think, I don't think that just means he's a shady guy or something. I think it means... He knows he's part of Jesus' supposed enemies. He's part of the Pharisees. But I think there is, there is a, the beginning of a seeking here. I think there is some genuine. There's a lot of pride still. You can hear it in his opening statement. He says, well, firstly, he's using the word rabbi, which is, a, which is a, a, a big significant statement. But he says, rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. What do you think is his first mistake he's just made? Listen to his language. What's his first mistake? We know? Nicodemus, how do you know what comes from God and not? He is speaking as if he has the spiritual knowledge and the spiritual sight to perceive this comes from God and that doesn't. And Jesus is listening to what the man is saying, but he also knows the man's heart. And he knows where the question's coming from. So that's why he replies the way he does. I imagine Nicodemus had some sort of question he was hoping to get to. This is just like the, hey, how's it, how are you doing, kind of part of the conversation. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, 
You have no sight of the kingdom of God unless you're born again. That's Aina. Aina. How do you think that would have come across to someone who basically knew the whole Old Testament off by heart? Do you know, do you know many of them, you might have heard this before, but uh, when, when children in Jewish tradition were training to become, to apprentice to a rabbi, they would have to memorize the Torah, so the first five books of the Bible in Hebrew. I think by the age of 12. And you could still fail the test and become a fisherman. So some of those fishermen Jesus called would have known more of the Bible than you even would have known. And they still were considered almost unworthy to follow a rabbi. But Nicodemus is standing there as a teacher of Israel. And Jesus says, you have no sight of the things you're speaking of. What? That's actually encouraging and depressing kind of at the same time. Because that means if you're here today, you might not be a Nicodemus. You might have no supposed knowledge of God, but you're just as qualified as entering the kingdom of God as he is. And you're just as disqualified as he is. By Jesus saying this, he is flattening the curve. And he's saying, he's not, because what religion does to you is religion, when I use the word, it comes to you and it says, do you want to enter the kingdom of God? Do these things. Let me just give you, let me give you a ladder and just start climbing that ladder. And at the end of the ladder, you'll get to God. You ever, have you ever climbed that ladder? Have you ever slid down? You get back up, you climb down, you slide back up. That's not the gospel. Jesus comes along and says, I am the ladder. He says, no one has descended from heaven and no one has ascended. But I have. And I'm now the way, the truth, and the life. So what's happening here is a significant thing that you can miss when you're reading this. But, but what, this will help you also read the Bible, because we are doing a Bible reading season at the moment, an intensive. So scan your eyes up a few verses to the end of the previous chapter, and try to find some clues that's going to help you unlock this passage. End of chapter 2. I'll read from verse 23. Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about him, about man. For he himself knew what was in man. And then it jumped straight into this portion. So what's happening here is many people, even, even back then and now, will come to Jesus and will say, I believe. But they're not actually seeking God. They're seeking what God gives them. They're seeking the bread. They're seeking the fish. They're seeking a sign. That's not true faith. You, when, when, if you want to know when do you have true faith, do you know what you must look for? Look for signs that you're actually seeking God for God. Uh, that's the only way I can kind of say it. All of us still in our prayers and stuff, it's tainted by selfishness. I'm not praying the whole week perfectly like, Jesus, just you only. I'm still praying like, Jesus, you and these things, please, Lord. And he's got to purify my heart. But a sign that the Spirit is at work in you is that you're actually saying, I was made for him. 
I was made by Him, and I need to be with Him. I, I was made to know my God. Amen. So that's one of the evidences that you can look for. And another point I want to, I want to bring out here is in verse 3, Jesus basically says the same thing again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, and I've already read that bit. Where's the bit where he says it again? Five. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he's ultimately saying the same thing there again. But by all appearances, your mind might jump to water baptism. I wouldn't be so sure about that. Jesus in this paragraph is saying, Nicodemus, because water baptism is not instituted yet as a Christian tradition. That comes later in the Great Commission, Matthew 28. So at this point, Jesus is saying further down in this, if you just read the Old Testament and no New Testament, you would be able to know that all of this is true. You won't see it explicitly mentioned, but you will see all throughout the Old Testament, if you read it properly, that man's problem is not a lack of teaching. How many times did God send a prophet to Israel? Poor, bleak prophets. Jeremiah is one of the, is the hardest job. Keeps reminding them of what God has said. They're not lacking information, but God promises the days are coming when I will give you a new heart and I will put my own spirit in you. Those are the days that are coming. He says, I will sprinkle you with water and you will be clean. I will put my law in your heart. I won't give it an, it's not an external thing anymore. I'm going to take my own law, not just as written code, but even the desire to obey me, I'm going to put in your heart. That's a game changer. If you want to read that, we don't have time. That's Ezekiel chapter 11 and Ezekiel 36. I'd encourage you to memorize those scriptures. They're foundational to understanding the new covenant. And then Jesus says there, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. What does that mean, guys? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Hey, big champ, yeah? <laughs> You're quoting me. Yes, see. God has no grandchildren. By that I mean if your parents were Christians, it's not a, it's not a package deal. Hello? Say it again. God has no grandchildren. If your parents were Christians, that doesn't make you a Christian. John, I wonder if we have that one. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. This is literally two chapters before. Let's see what he says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, a baby can't believe in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Let's read this bit. Who were born, not of blood, that means natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Why on earth is it necessary to labor three points about not this, not this? What is he trying? Do you think he wants us to get something? That your birth into the kingdom of God did not come about by your human effort. Let me say that again. Your birth and entry into God's kingdom did not start with do. Has that registered? 
It started with a miracle. The fact you were here tonight with worship in your heart, some of you tears, where does that come from? Were you born with it? So it comes from above. The very worship in your heart is a gift from God to God. <laughs> because if you don't have a view of yourself that I am a miracle, you're going to live a very low Christianity. You're going to think I'm just a human being just trying to stay committed, just, just trying to go to church. I'm just trying to read my Bible. You're just going to think human, natural. When I start realizing that I'm a walking miracle, when I realize that my beginning in the Christian faith did not start with James working hard, it started with God working on my behalf and speaking life into me, then I realize, hold on, Jamesy, how can I start relying on my own effort? That would be the stupidest thing ever. Having begun by the Spirit, how on earth could I ever try to continue in the flesh? Hello? That needs to come in like a sniper bullet and wound you. Because you're going to get tempted often to shift back into human effort. God, let me just help you out a bit. That's what you're going to do. But your mindset needs to be, and it says it, in, it, says it later in John chapter 3. John says, unless a person, person cannot receive one thing unless it is given to them from above. If you want a posture and a heart attitude that's pleasing to God, make that your heart attitude. Become so dependent on God each day that it almost feels uncomfortable. So Become so needy of Him in a good way, and you will find His blessing all over you. Amen. That is good news. Keep that in mind. Let it out, whoever that was. There you go. But let me just, just turn. Let me do one little segue. Turn to Romans chapter 3. Because some of you are getting what I'm saying, but some of you are still circling. And I need to deal the fatal blow to you, if that's fine. Romans chapter 3, and we're only going to read... Verse 9 to 11. So I'll read from verse 9. Paul says, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, or Gentiles, are under sin. That's almost a legal term there. He says, For as it is written... None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. L listen to the phrase, the absolute phrases being used here. None. No one. No one. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And at the end of that whole section, all he's doing here is he's quoting Psalms, Proverbs, some of the prophets. And a key phrase at the end, he says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Even if they end up serving God, it's not for God. 
They're doing it so for what they can get from God. Have you ever read that scripture? And instead of pointing the finger at others and said, because you might read that and go, oh, the world is bad, eh? The world's bad. People out here, they don't seek God. I've seen them on campus and then you'll see. They're not interested. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, that is true. But you know what God wants to do? Bend that hand like this. That is a sign of new birth, of you being born from above. It's for the first time in your life, you stop blame shifting and pointing at everyone else's sin. And you say, you know what? I might have been raised very nice. I might have been a nice kid. Lots of badges on my blazer at school. You might be one of those people. But actually, it was my sin that put Jesus on that cross. Before anyone else's sin condemned him, my sin put him there. That is... Because God has to take you low before He exalts you. And if you haven't taken yourself low, your worship's going to be thin. Your quiet times are going to be thin on the ground. You're going to be scrambling. You're going to be... I often hear it in some people, and it concerns me. as They're saying, oh, Lord, just restore to me again the joy of my salvation. Restore to me. And I'm saying, what are you grounding that on? Is that a feeling? Is it happiness? We need to know... How great actually was my debt before him? And I don't just mean sins forgiven. When you deal with this doctrine, the doctrine of being born again, it's not just speaking about sins plural. It's speaking about sin as a presence, as a corruption in your heart, your mind, your will. And for you and me to be transformed from enemies of God to lovers of God. Do you realize how miraculous that is? You weren't just kind of liking God, and now he made you a lover. You, apart from the grace of God, I don't care how nice you look tonight, or how Christian you look, apart from the grace of God, you would not be seeking God for God. Have you realized that? No matter how long you've been a Christian, that you wouldn't have offered up a single work to God that was truly for His glory. You might have done works for Him. You might have done good things, but it would have been tainted the whole time with, what am I getting out of this? And you're actually still in rebellion to Him. And in order for you to be the most great, do you want to become the most grateful Christian alive? Hey? Do you want to increase in your gratitude and your worship? then allow the Lord to wound you with your true state before Him. And, and, and I want to mention this, that I have met a few people, even in this congregation, who still don't even know whether they've been born again. And the enemy is accusing them and saying, you make all these great claims as if I know who you are. And what he does sometimes is he does the curse of comparison. So he gets you comparing yourself to other spiritual Christians. And then you're like, geez, I don't know if I'm like that. Or... And, and it's a trap. I want you to walk out tonight, if you're a believer, going, I know I'm not what I'm supposed to be yet. I'm not perfect. No way. But I am a miracle right now. 
I'm a miracle, that the fact that there is love in my heart for my own God comes from Him as a gift. So tomorrow when you wake up to have your quiet time, do you know what you need to do? You don't churn it up in here because that's not its source. You say, Lord, the very faith I need today, the love I need to give you today, please would you give it to me? It sounds weird. <laughs> but it's a true dependence that in the beginning, how did God create man? How did he first create Adam? He gathered him from the dust and he breathed his life into him. The very life of God was meant to sustain man every day. And when you get born again, Jesus now gives life into you. Amen. He breathes life into you. You now, as a Christian, are not just trying to be committed. You're a person walking around with the life of God in you. Have you appreciated that? But that's what's funny about this message is look at those scriptures we've read where it says none is righteous, no, no one understands, no one seeks for God. Uh, oh, and this is what I was mentioning now, is a lot of people who were saved at a very young age. I was one of them, like six, seven years old. Um, is, is what can happen for you is you'll read a lot of scriptures in the Bible, and, and lots of them are like this. They'll say, you yourselves were once this, foolish, disobedient, led astray, hating others, disobedient to God, all these things, and then it will say, but now. You, have you ever seen those ones? The problem with that is, for some of us, is we think almost chronologically of our lives. And I'm like, geesh, before I was six years old, I don't remember being like that. I'm thinking like timeline in my life. <laughs> Anyone else done that? <laughs> You're like, if I'm honest, I can't remember being all those things. I always was kind of nice. <laughs> Dom, you're guilty of saying that to me, actually. No, about you. That you were nice. So the nicer you are, <laughs> Dom is nice. But, but the nicer you are, the harder you've got to fight to get this revelation. If, if you're just fraught, and you feel like you've sucked your whole life, it's going to come easier. It's going to come anyone like that. Because <laughs> you've got no righteousness of your own. If you've been kind of nice, and I'm mainly looking at a lot of the girls here. Girls are almost nice, so objectively, God, they're just very steady. But I... I but just joke, jokes aside, like, I'm serious, like... Deadly serious, like you need to contend for this revelation because the enemy wants to feed you with self-righteousness. He's not just trying to tell you you suck and you're bad. You'll try that. But what's more, what's more subtle is you'll say you're actually quite a good person. That's a trap. You need to look at yourself and say, no, me as the creature is nothing. And my Savior is everything from beginning to end. So that, I just dipped you guys in there. There's way more I could give you. But Romans 3 is, is, a, is a great one. There, there's another famous one, and you don't have to put it up. Well, you actually can if you want. Jeremiah 13, 23. Read this one. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? So then, also you can do good. 
who are accustomed to doing evil. Can the leopard change its spots? No, by nature it has spots. Can the Ethiopian change his skin color? No, that's his nature. Then he's saying, well, then good luck to you. As being born into sin, trying to now become a good tree bearing good fruit. Not going to happen. You need to be born again from above. So you could spend a million years attending this very church building, listening to sermon after sermon, and by the end of it, you would have no more entry into the kingdom of God. You can memorize every scripture. You can give to the poor. You can offer up your body. You can be martyred. But if you have not trusted solely on Jesus, there's no entry for you. And we, we as Christians should be those who are almost hopefully immune to pride. I wish it were so. We do battle against pride. But on paper, pride should have no place in our lives. Because if I know that all that I am is by the grace of God, then what can I boast in? <laughs> it's all from Him. It's all to Him. Amen. I'm just letting that stew a bit with you. <laughs> maybe turn, maybe just one last scripture to look at. It's a very cool one. I don't think, I've, I haven't read it for a while, but Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. Neelan, did I give you that one? Okay, well, you can just turn there in your Bible. Or if you click on the, on the mouse there, Ezekiel 37. And we'll end with this. And then we're definitely going to respond to this message. This is lovely, hey? The script, the scripture. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 6. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. How's that? For a prophetic picture of what the Lord was going to do, in each and every one of you. Do you realize that you here tonight, if you, like all of you in the beginning, you were said, you're saying, I'm a Christian, I've been born again. Do you realize that we right now, we're a valley of dry bones? And the Lord came to you at different stages in your life. You might not even be able to pinpoint, like, when was I actually born again? Maybe it just seemed like a gradual stepping into becoming a Christian. That's fine. I'm not worried about when you were born again. 
I'm worried about, do you know that you now are? Can you see the evidences in you? And I think, I think it is a miracle that you must please don't lose sight of. Don't lose sight of. Don't be fooled by your own growth. Don't be fooled by any sort of holiness you see in yourself or being used by God. At the end of the day, remind yourself that I would not be a seeker of God if he had not seek me first. I would not be a lover of God if he had not loved me first. And have that mindset each day that you're, you and I are not just called to do human activities now for God. You are a dead man walking. A dead person who has come to life. And sometimes you'll hear people say, I tried Christianity, it didn't work for me. And I'm going, what? That just means that I don't think you ever were a Christian. Why would a dead person say, I tried being alive for a while, didn't enjoy it, didn't work for me? A Christian is someone who realizes, I was dead. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else anymore. I'm saying, I was dead. And right now, if God had not breathed his life into you, you would have no interest in him. He would not be your treasure. You'd be treasuring other things. But aren't you grateful that he is your treasure? Meditate. Close your eyes. Let's just meditate on that for a second. I'm not just giving you information tonight. I'm trying to stir your heart. That he is our treasure. And we weren't just wise enough to stumble into a field and say, okay, I'm going to take this treasure. We were blind to that treasure. We would have never savored it and enjoyed it if the Lord had not removed our blindness. And Lord, I just pray tonight for a, it's almost the way your kingdom works. I pray that you would bring us low, low in our own view of ourselves so that we might be exalted with you, Lord. I pray if there have been any little outposts of self-righteousness here in this congregation and in people's hearts, come and break down and destroy self-righteousness. I pray that we would realize that all boasting in self, all self-righteousness is a trap of the enemy. And we boldly declare tonight that the Lord Jesus alone is our righteousness. He's our confidence. His blood has paid for every sin. And we're walking miracles, Lord, that worship you and that love you. But I pray right now, Lord, you, you said, you promised that you said, I'll send my spirit and the spirit will convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment. And I pray that you would come into this room right now and convict. I pray that if there are people here tonight that say they belong to you, but they're actually not yours, may you come convict them in Jesus' name. If there's anyone here who is, in a sense, being deceived by just religion, of just trying to do certain Christian things to get to God, I pray that that little house of cards would fall down tonight, and they would realize it is a trap. 
it is a trap that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the ladder to heaven. And I pray for those people right now, Lord. I pray that you, I pray that your hand would be heavy upon them. I pray that they would feel naked in your presence. And they would say, Jesus, you have to clothe me. I have nothing good to offer you. All my efforts, all my trying are filthy rags in your presence. I pray for true faith. I pray for true faith and repentance. That people tonight would say, you know what? I'm crossing over. I'm turning away from self, trusting in self and my sin, and I'm turning in humility and faith to Jesus on the cross. And I'm saying, my sin put you there. So have mercy on me, Lord. 